Good evening and welcome to our special edition of Catholic View. I'm Sheila Pirsch. Thank you so much for tuning in. Coming up in today's broadcast, we take a look at Youth Matters as Friday the 12th of August marks International Youth Day. Thank you once again for joining me this evening. Friday, the 12th of August, marks International Youth Day. On this day, youth around the world are encouraged to organize activities to raise awareness about the situation of youth in their country. begin with Masole Sodality of the Archdiocese of Pretoria. About 60 members of Masole from the Archdiocese of Pretoria gathered in Macau recently to mark the annual retreat. Masole hails from Masoleyana Acriste Morena, or Little Soldiers of Christ, established by the Oblates Missionaries of Mary Immaculate OMI in Lesotho, which eventually grew to become a very prominent sodality of children in South Africa. The Masole Sodality was officially launched in Pretoria towards the end of 2015 by His Grace Archbishop William Slattery. Thanks to Father Paul Tato, the chaplain of the Sodality in Pretoria, I had the opportunity of talking to both the chairperson, Mishak Mashau, and the secretary, Lesejo Mogoshwa, of Masole Sodality in studio. Young people are affected by many things in life now, especially in our country. Complications are there. Uh, youth life now is more frustrating. We have a lot of choices to make. But with the guidance that the sodality provides now, from growing as a young child, being guided under, under the same values, now under the value of prayer, you know, communion, sharing, the apostolate work and all that. So we carry on with the same values now, but on a greater now intellectual of thinking. Now, remember after 14 years, 15 there, you are a grown-up young person. After confirmation there, you are thinking for yourself out loud. You need a platform where you can relate with your peers now, have conversations that now talks about future growth, you know, building the youth lives and developments that will assist us survive even social life problems, emotional problems, and day-to-day experiences that we have. It can be in our friendships, relationships, and experiencing, educational-wise, because there are those who are already in tertiary. They might find now different environment, meet different people that bring different things into their life. So how they are guided to that, they continue with the same values that would teach them still to persist, loving God, waiting for, the, for, for, for your people, fellow Christians, your community, loving each other the way Godly would want us to do things. But now that way, we carry on in the same values but on the different level of age mm-hmm. that's the different mostly mm-hmm. 
And of course, um, we living at a time where uh, young people are exposed to many things, mm-hmm. lots of distractions. There is the alcoholism. There is a substance abuse. There is teenage pregnancies. There is the blessers. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> that's a new trend. Yeah, yeah that's a new trend. <laughs> there is uh, there's a lot going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. So, what do you guys do when you come together as members of Masole Acriste Morena? What do you do? What are your discussions besides spirituality? What else do you talk about? As you mentioned, all the, the issues, social issues that are happening today. Um, I remember, I think it was two, three years ago, where we had a talk about teenage pregnancy mm-hmm. and what the church says about teenage pregnancy, about abstinence and um, saying no to abortion and et cetera, et cetera. We, talk, we try and make um, our discussions as so that they, they, they are more today, like they focus on the issues of, of today, like on with the recent um, retreat that we had yeah. a, uh, a week or two ago, it was, we had people from social development that were there to help us because many of us are in a transition period where we are going from now high school to tertiary, where we from teenagers to adults now. Mm-hmm. So they came there to g- give us, you know, guidance on, on such issues, offer us um, opportunities, you know. So we try and make our discussions focused on um, issues that are relevant to today, always. Yeah, we usually have retreats every year. Like, yeah. But, you know, it's the same old thing that we know we get there. The program is the same Mm -hmm. all the years. But this year, it was so different, you know. The place where we went to was so tranquil to start. You know, you you could pray and there wasn't any other interference. Literally, all you thought about was, I'm at a retreat, I'm praying, I'm at a retreat, I'm praying. Always. And then... um, the highlight of it was going up the mountain at Macau. That place is beautiful. And when you look at it from a distance, yeah. you think to yourself, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> the cross is at the very top. And you think, they're telling you that you have to go to the top and get to that cross. And I'm thinking, and I was thinking to myself, no, I'm not going to make it up there. But then when we started climbing up, there was a point where I actually sat down. I was like, guys, I'm going down. <laughs> I, I'm not continuing with this. But there's something driving me, pushing me to go yeah. up that mountain. And when I got up there, the beauty of nature, God's work is so beautiful. You got, I got to see Magawu at its fullest. Mm-hmm. And it was so beautiful. And it, mm-hmm. made me, it made me appreciate God even more because it showed me how marvelous he, he how marvelous he is and how how great oh that place oh my gosh <laughs> and then also um we renewed our vows yes. the only time where we said our vows was when we were launching in december like last year december when we said our vows but you know then it was because we were launching and we have to wear this uniform and mm-hmm. but on on Sunday at the retreat, it had so much meaning, you know. Um, it, it was so it was so different. It was because at the parish where we went to, they didn't know us, so everyone welcomed us, and we looked so pretty and everything. <laughs> and then that part where we had to renew our vows, there was something about it, you know, that the feeling in in the church, everyone was so 
so peaceful, you know. Yeah. It felt like God was agreeing, saying, yes, my children, <laughs> I am welcoming you indeed. And also there was um, people from social development, which was also something different, something new, you know, mm-hmm. that they offered us um, opportunities, um, gave us guidance, learnerships, bursaries. And also they told us that um, they're not stopping there. We are continuing this process with them. So that, that, that showed me that, you know, this sodality is more than a spiritual sodality, but it's also helping us um, to be better people. You know, it was, well, the retreat was beautiful. And Father Tatu, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. We never spend time with our chaplains, never. Yeah. It's like we see them at mass, they see us for two minutes and they leave. Mm-hmm. He went up the mountain with us. He conducted the, the retreat for us. He conducted a meditation in the morning where we thought he was actually abusing us. We're thinking, oh, we were late. So uh, this person is making us stand up and sit down, stand up and sit down. This person is abusing us. Why is this person doing that? But it came to a point where after all the sitting up and standing down, you were centered. Now you came to a point where you could really hear God. And, you know, when I came out of that place, I I felt like a new person. I really did. Sunday when I went back home, it was like, you know... I could go back again and rewind it to, to, to the Friday again. It was really, really, really phenomenal. It was your life of yeah. So in other words, you guys had your mini World Youth Day there. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we did. It's been there. It's been we there. did. It was our mini World Youth Day. Yeah. Yes. No, beautiful, beautiful. I'm glad that even those who stayed behind had an <laughs> opportunity of doing something great mm-hmm. together. But now talk to us about the future of Masole, saying that it was launched last December. What's in store for you guys? Well, uh, as Lesoho explained, we, we realize that now there's more to the greater church than just going to church on Sundays and pray. It's not enough. Mm-hmm. It's not enough. I remember the, the retreat we decided upon these objectives. It was in Moretila Park. Uh, I can't remember the year okay. exactly. It was 20... Mm. 2014. Yeah, 2014, before we launched, I think, yes, we were in Moretillo Park in our retreat. Mm-hmm. We, we said we need a platform where we'll relate social issues, social matters. At our age, we've got this capacity to change lives, to have an understanding that it's for the common good of the people. Mm-hmm. But mostly people now who are suppressed on such opportunities are young people because we are taken as young, you know, Un- uncontrolled <laughs> or more energetic and nothing else. We don't care. Yeah. But we said now we can build a group of uh, such young people who provide that platform mm-hmm. where a positive change would be realized, where assistance that is coming from the growth of young people. Uh, as the executive, through my leadership, what we did, we've been going all around, knocking in every door that way we can get help for young people. Uh, can be social development assistance, mm. uh, career guidance and development. Those who are interested in entrepreneurship also will be researching for that. So some, something like an NGO, but we're doing it now internally in the church platform. So we're saying now we need to serve our young people. Those who say their families can't or God is not answering them, we say no. Sometimes it's not using whoever is around you, but using somebody else whom you take as a stranger to come and penetrate in your life and give you an opportunity. That when you look back after 40 years, you'll say now, that's sodality. I don't regret being part of it because it has made me who I am today. Yeah, no matter what success you get. So our intention now is to get all best opportunities we can get for our young people. Mm-hmm. 
can be educational in their livelihood, business-wise, career-wise, all opportunities that can God provide and send people to help us. We're still out there to allow open-minded in a way, but being guided also by our constitution. We must remember we've got protocols and things that are allowed to be done by young people in this society. Not everything else just come in and fall in. Because yeah. we might lose now even the vision, the vision of what we, we intend to achieve mm -hmm. for future. And how can people get in touch with you, those who have been uh, um, <laughs> little soldiers of Christ and want to be part of the soldiers of Christ? How yes. can they contact you? Currently, we are, we are, we are fixing our structures mm -hmm. um, because it's a new sodality, remember. Yeah. So still testing the water. So we are using the, our exercises office. Uh, it's 140 Visa History. Uh, it's the Juliet Howdy in Pretoria. Yes. Uh, just back opposite the cathedral, Secret House Cathedral in Pretoria. So we'll find the offices of the archdiocese there. Then ask for Mishak mm -hmm. or Leseho. They'll tell you more, anything about Masole. They'll know who, where to send you. With pilgrims finally back home, Father Tabo Motiba Oemai shared with me his impressions of his first ever experience of World Youth Day. It was my first time attending the World Youth Day and it almost didn't happen. But uh, thank God it did happen because, uh, yeah, it's, it said a lot to me, you know, and uh, it really revived mm. me as well as a, as a young priest and as a priest who works with the youth and uh, a priest who, who works at St. Benedict's College because I work with young people there. So it, it wow, it just said a lot to me. Every single day, it's like a whole new experience of the same thing, you know. Um, it's like you go to bed and then you have had fun and then you wake up in the morning, you're going to start all over again. It's like you're doing it for the first time all over again, you know. And then the first moment of awe for me when I arrived there, that was uh, the opening celebration. The Holy Father gave a talk and it was quite profound, I must say, because... Okay, when he started his talk, it was after one of the young ladies had related her story about uh, the trials that they are facing in her country, about this whole issue of ISIS and like, you know, having to leave home, not knowing if you're going to come back or sleeping, not knowing if uh, morning is going to come. So when he started, he sort of like, you know, that fear, it brings with itself a level of paralysis because now once you're afraid, you are not free. You know, you need to be liberated from, from, from that uh, fear in order for you to be free. And then he reflected a little bit on that. And then he sort of like mentioned that another form of paralysis, which is not really uh, clear to see, is that of a couch. You know, and he mentioned that there's a whole lot of different cultures, those kind of cultures that can massage you, like the kind of culture that encourages you to sit. And as young people... He challenges us to get off from those couches and go out there and make a difference. Because he says that as people, we are called in a special way to give of ourselves in order for change to effect um, in the world. But then once we are sitting on couches, that will not happen. And I found that to have been very much profound because among my other reflections, I looked at the reality of our life here in South Africa and where we come from. You know, there's a time in our lives when um, young people were really in charge. 
you know, we talk about the times of the uh, 1976 uprising and, you know, the whole uh, time of the struggle of uh, against apartheid and how it sort of like came to an end. Just how young people were driven and were, were out there uh, making a difference. Their voice was heard and... Um, there was that passion about seeing change taking place in South Africa. And that may have passed and we may be in a democratic uh, kind of a society now, but then we clearly see a number of new kind of enslavements, new kinds of uh, of oppressions. And when the Holy Father spoke about that, it actually got me to think that where are we now? Where are we, the young people of today? What are we saying? What are we doing to address this issue? Are we on the couches that the Holy Father is talking about? Are we going to rise up and make a difference? Are we going to take up the challenge that the Holy Father is giving to us to to, to give of ourselves so that uh, um, change is effected in our country and hence the world? Mm. And now talk to us about your birthday. How was it? <laughs> birthday in Europe? <laughs> So, by so many young people. <laughs> so the cake that I got, uh-huh. it's an Oreo. <laughs> <laughs> so Father um, uh, Jonathan walks yeah. like, okay, we had been separate, like, because there were different activities at different times at different places. So sometimes we would sort of like separate and others would go to one place, others go to the other. So mm-hmm. we meet at the entrance of our, of our hostel there. Yeah. And he says, Happy birthday, my priest. I'm like, hey, thank you, Father. Like, I brought you a cake. Like, really? He's like, yes, and he presents me one Oreo. <laughs> it really said a lot to me because, you know, it was like the thought that counted and then all of the the, the, the young uh, 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 children that were there by us, they start singing now and then it sort of like becomes a moment. Aww. And then so at that time, we were actually going out with Father Tabo to, to across the road. There's this pizza place there where we're going to go to. And then as we go out, we meet with Farashia. Farashia is like, no, let's just go to town. Uh, we'll be so. Farashia, actually, <laughs> I have to say this, he was very good at sort of like diverting us. But then it, it would sort of like be nice because he went and explored the place first and it would take us there. So we ended up in a rest, in this restaurant. So that's myself, that's Farashia, Father Tabo, uh, Mutsehwa, and then Father Tony Daniels. And they treated me to a very nice dinner and like I had been receiving a whole lot of singing and a whole lot of small gifts, you know, rosaries, <laughs> chocolates. And, you know, it's like, oh, so father, it's your birthday today. It's like, yeah, it's my birthday. It's like, wow. Yeah. Then they give me like a chocolate or something like that. It was like nice, you know. And then, and then even like to the day after the day after that, you know, it's like, oh, so I hear that it was your birthday the other day. It's like, yeah, it was my birthday the other day. It's like, but what did you tell me? But then how do you say so to someone that is your birthday? I mean, who does that? Anyway, then, you know, you would receive like that gift or this gift. And it was, it, <laughs> it was, was a birthday best, in style. The best birthday so far, one can put it Yes, and so spontaneous and so, so new. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, nice. Beautiful. I'm glad you enjoyed yourself on your birthday. Happy belated birthday. Thank you, Shane. I give you a blessing. Thank you. Thank you. And that was Father Tabo Motiba OMI talking to us about World Youth Day in Krakow, Poland.
You're listening to Catholic View on this special edition to observe the International Youth Day. And I'm Shayla Pirsch. Coming up next, Bunnies in the Burbs with Tainita Harilal. Youth unemployment is a reality all over the world. Experts often advise young people to venture into entrepreneurships, start their own businesses, and that's exactly what 19-year-old Tainita Harilal did. Bunnies in the Burbs is a digital cooking show that takes the popular reality cooking format into a more intimate and inspiring level. Viewers will get to witness a young African millennial sharing good food and wisdom with her role models as well as peers. Already in Season 1, shot on location in their family kitchen, the show features inspiring Africans. Here is Tainita Harilal. Bunnies in the Bob was a company that my parents had started um, because at the time they needed income, so what they did is they sold bunnies, Charles. And then business started picking up again, but we always had wanted, JT Communications had always wanted to have a digital sector, so a place where we could share African narratives. So one day my mom told me, and we started the show with the hopes that it would be more about, less about the cooking and more about the people and the stories that have come on. So it started in our kitchen, where it's currently still being sold. So it's very authentic, very homegrown. But um, it aims to show that, like, on the continent, we have great people that whose stories aren't told. The um, international media is rather looking at the kids who are starving and painting this terrible picture of Africa instead of saying that, you know what? There are great people that have come out of this continent. They're doing great things, and we're not as backward as the international media would like to like to show us. The nice thing about it um, that it's on um, social media is that my friend in Kenya could be watching it at the same time that I'm watching it here in South Africa. So, yes, sometimes we lose that human touch because we're on social media, but the plus side of social media is that it allows us to connect with people who we would have never thought of connecting with before because we're like, no, they're too far. Or, I don't know, you don't even know the interests that you have. But because of social media, we can build this community of like young entrepreneurs who don't want to be put into this box that the world has set out to be. Like, oh, young people are rebellious or oh, they do nothing. Actually, we're doing a lot. And if we can all connect with each other throughout the continent and throughout the world, that narrative changes. And... Instead of being, oh, young people are doing nothing, it will be, oh, look at these young people of today. Look at the changes that they're making. All right. Now, you could have done any other form of entrepreneurship. You could have uh, done uh, uh, fashion. You could have done music. You could have done sports. You name it. But you chose cuisine. Why is that? Uh, Is that something that you've always been passionate about? It's something that has always been in my home and I think lots of other homes. The nice thing about a meal is that you're not just eating food with someone, you're engaging with them, you're listening to their stories, you're learning why they like certain things and dislike other things. And I think that's what drew me to the cooking show so much because it's an intimate intimate space where we learn so much about the guests that have been on the show, like Deshaun Daisel, who is the first African woman to step foot on Everest. And through that, I cooked her favorite meal, I cooked her favorite meal, and uh, 
it was it was just so it's such an intimate place to learn about people. So it's yes, it's about the food, but it's also about what comes along with the food. Let's talk about the business aspect of this idea. You are 19 years old. How are you handling the business aspect of your idea? I think I'm very blessed to have both my parents work in the company JT Communication, and I slowly started to work with them. And I'm learning along the way. I don't think it's just a sole project. I mean, the project of Buddies in the Burp is bigger than myself. So I've been doing it slowly with the team, learning the ins and outs of it. And it's really opened my eyes to how easy it is to start your own business and how easy it is to um, to make yourself known and heard. So it has been a little bit of a struggle in the beginning, but I'm slowly learning and I'm really enjoying it. And then what are your hopes for this uh, business? I mean, you just launched Women's Day, Women's Month, and we're talking of, to you, of course, being a young woman, a woman of the new generation of uh, uh, democratic South Africa, let's put it that way. What are your hopes with Bunnies in the Burbs? Where do you want to see this going? My hopes for Bunnies in the Burbs is that we move, so we obviously have more influential people and more positive stories being told. But I also hope that we move out of our kitchen in South Africa and start cooking around the continent, so meeting great people. I also hope that Bunnies in the Bubble will be a stepping stone for JT Communication, so we'll see new shows starting. And we also just want other people to tell their stories, so we don't want just my face to be there. We want to encourage other people to tell their stories and to just grow this, this community that we've created. I just thank you so much for having me on your show, and I really hope that your listeners from all around Africa, from Nigeria to Kenya to even South Africa, will engage with us on our YouTube page and will like the stories and share their own stories with them. Because who knows, maybe we can have you on our show one day. Time now for a little bit of sports. One-on-one basketball is to take over the streets of Braafontein this weekend. Although basketball is not as big as some other sports in South Africa, the sport has grown pretty well over the past few years, says sportive director KP Ndlovo. We are now going into our fourth season of our professional league, which is called the Basketball National League or the BNL. Um, And that has added a lot of uh, or revived the spark when it comes to basketball uh, in South Africa. Um, NBA uh, is quite a global uh, powerhouse and the NBA now has offices here in South Africa, NBA Africa team, which is, you know, all of this stuff is really, really growing the game. I mean, the NBA Africa crew brought uh, the first ever basketball game on the continent, which was held in Ellis Park uh, last year. So, you know, the, the popularity of the sport is definitely um, growing, especially now with, you know, social media being the way it is. Even though, you know, there aren't as many tournaments and things of that nature in in the country, people are still exposed to the game a lot more than they would have in the past. So, you know, this this type of event just really adds to that. So now people can actually see, you know, this this basketball being played in their faces um, as opposed to just, you know, kind of seeing it on social media, seeing it in music videos. Our plan is to bring it to the people, and uh, that is why an event of this nature, um, of this magnitude, uh, really, uh, you know, speaks volume for what Red Bull uh, is doing, and it's just great for the development of the game, um, not just in South Africa, but I think on the continent as a whole. Team South Africa is one of FIBA's youngest members as it joined in 1992, hence the women's team is still a little behind.
from a development standpoint, the women's game is still slightly behind the men's. However, you know, you'd be very surprised. We do have a very strong uh, women's basketball following. Um, they're actually contemplating starting a professional women's league as well. Um, so there definitely are women in SA that are playing basketball at a pretty high level. Um, in terms of this actual event, as in the King of the Rock, Red Bull has now also got a, a women's league, which is called Queen of the Rock. So the, it is a women's tournament as well, which is held separately. Um, we just haven't reached that stage yet where we are doing it, uh, doing a qualifier here in SA. And I mean, just to add as well, I mean, we started doing this event with Red Bull about three, three, four years ago. But I mean, then we were doing it on a very small scale, um, really for your for your big basketball enthusiasts and you know your your, your main basketball players. And it's grown, um, you know, with every passing year to the point where now we've actually got qualifiers that go and compete globally. Last year, um, the player that won, Kevin Romano, he was the first ever um, um, African qualifier that went to participate in the global finals, um, which was held in, in, in Turkey last year. So, you know, the event is growing. And by that, you know, I'm not trying to distract from the women's game, but my point is that it is growing. The event, the Red Bull tournament is growing as well. And uh, I think it's just a matter of time before we see uh, the women's format also um, being played here in SA. Kevin Romano, last year's South African champion, spoke humbly of the experience of attending the World Finals in 2015. It was my first entry. It was a beautiful experience. Personally, it's made me realize that I, all years in playing basketball hasn't been taken for granted. Uh, I think it's it builds a strong character to me. It's made me realize that I can do something big with basketball. And being my passion, it's just like a reward. It's just like, thank God, it's been great. It has been great, and I hope it takes me further. Through three very tough qualifiers that took place in and around Johannesburg over a three-week period in July-August, players were selected to compete in the Red Bull King of the Rock South Africa final on Saturday, 13th August. Sportive director KP Global speaks about the origins of this competition. Red Bull King of the Rock came about in uh, 2011 or so. Um, it is a one-on-one event, a uh, basketball tournament, and uh, that, that in itself is pretty, uh, is pretty rare. Usually you find your three-on-three or your five-on-five, um, but Red Bull did a one-on-one format. Um, it's a global event, so it's, it's Red Bull's global basketball, um, basketball event. The first one held was actually done at Alcatraz um, in the States, the famous prison yard, and you had people competing from about 32 different countries. 64 players in total. So it's now grown to the fact where they're taking South African qualifiers as well, and which is what we are basically doing now. We've had three qualifiers already, and we have a big final that's coming through on the 13th, uh, 13th of August in Brampton. At 10 a.m. on Saturday, 13 August, Brampton gets a taste of basketball culture as the Beer Street is shut down to play host to 32 ballers as they go one-on-one, men versus men, for top owners at the Red Bull King of the Rock South Africa final. The final event going to be on the 13th of August, and that we're going to do in Brampton Team, on the streets of Brampton Team, the beers. Uh, we're going to transform the street into a basketball court, uh, which is going to be quite quite aesthetically pleasing, I must say. Um, we're literally going to turn the street into a basketball court and have a final event there um, with everyone to, to come and see.
As for the finalists, be ready for a tough one, says 2015 champ Kevin Romano. Be ready, prepare well to be ready because the competition is very tough. I know it's a five-minute game, but it's really difficult because you're just on your own. So just be ready and good luck to everyone. And lastly, UNHCR reports that Congolese refugees living in Brazil were on hand at the Rio Olympics on Wednesday to cheer for two athletes who share a special bond with them. Yolanda Mibika and Popoli Nisinga, members of the first-ever refugee team to compete in the Games, made their debuts in the judo competition. Like the fans that came to see them, both are from the Democratic Republic of the Congo, the DRC, and have found asylum in Brazil. Citizens from the DRC comprise the largest group of refugees in Rio de Janeiro state, according to information provided by UNHCR. The UN agency is a supporter of the Refugee Olympic Team, an initiative of the International Olympic Committee, the IOC. It consists of 10 athletes, the two judokas from the DRC, two swimmers from Syria, five middle-distance runners from South Sudan, and a marathoner from Ethiopia. This has been your Friday's edition of Catholic View, a special broadcast dedicated to the International Youth Day. Hope you enjoyed the broadcast and thank you so much for listening. This program was produced and presented by Sheila Pirsch for Radio Veritas. Remember that I'll be back on Tuesday at the same time. Until then, do have a blessed weekend. Ciao, ciao. I'm Sheila Pirsch.